0: Um if you have a bible or an app on your phone please get it to Ephesians chapter 1 and that's where we'll be this morning I'm going to talk about the church now I don't know what your initial reaction is when you hear that topic Ugh. Ugh. Is that, is that exciting? Some of you, it is The leaders, the leaders, yes. What about everyone else? The church, is it ordinary or extraordinary? Is it a source of pride or a source of embarrassment? It's worth just checking our own hearts right at the start, just always, why is our reaction to the idea of thinking about, talking about the church? Uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, want to talk about what God thinks about the church, and I'm going to bring out a number of points, mostly from the second half of chapter one of Ephesians, but we're going to read the whole chapter because it's great. Okay, let's read it together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, writing to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grant to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice in the first two verses how often Jesus was mentioned? Three times already, first two verses, just as the introduction. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. For he chose us in him, which is in Christ, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless, In his sight, in love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with in the beloved. We have redemption in him through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he planned in him for the administration of the days of fulfillment to bring everything together in the Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. We've also received an inheritance in him, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything In agreement with the decision of his will, so that we, who had already put our hope in the Messiah, might bring praise to his glory. And when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I pray that the eyes of your mind may be enlightened so that you may know What is the hope of his calling? What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to those of us who believe, according to the working of his vast strength? And he demonstrated this power in the Messiah, Jesus, by raising him from the dead, And seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Amen. There is some good stuff there. There's some gold. But let's have a look at just a few things. In the first part of Ephesians 1, Paul tells the church in Ephesus the amazing plan that God has always had to have a family of people who trust in Him, have been forgiven of their sins, who live in His goodness. And who want all the blessings of God in their life. And who want to share this blessing with all of creation. It's an amazing plan that God has been working out since Abraham. But now through Jesus' life, death, resurrection and ascension to heaven. God throws open the doors wide. And says anyone who calls on his name can come into his family. And this is good news. Because it means you and me can come in too. Because otherwise, none of these flags should be up there. There should just be one flag. But because God has opened up the doors, all these flags, and if you're from any of these places, means you have a place in the family of God. That's what this passage tells us. Paul then prays for the people who believe as he does, that through Jesus, the whole world was changed and can be changed and will continue to be changed until time is right for Jesus to take his rightful place again as king of all the earth. So there's 10 steps, okay? I've got 10 steps. I've got a PowerPoint, I've just got 10 steps, and each point you see is just actually words from Ephesians 1. So I think they're there for you. You remember them. So all you have to do is if you hear something encouraging, just say, you know, amen, or hallelujah, or praise the Lord, or yippee kaye. I don't mind. Just feel free. There we go. Someone's going from the front row. It's okay to encourage me. You've got complete permission to give me some encouragement as I'm preaching. But you've also got permission to encourage one another. This is good stuff, and it's all right to express that. Sometimes, just every now and then, it's all right not to be British. It's okay. Amen. Thank you. There we go. All right, number one. God gives the spirit of wisdom. This is in the second, all the points are from the second half of chapter one, so from 15 onwards. God gives the spirit of wisdom. It's not, a bad, it's not a bad start. Wisdom to see. Wisdom to know. Wisdom to be able to tell the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. Wisdom to know the difference between the times and the seasons. What kind of, Season of life are we in? What what are we going through right now? What are the challenges? Wisdom to know the right way, wisdom to navigate sorrows and joys. Wisdom to know how to handle hardship and success. Wisdom to know how to live like a Jesus follower in Colchester and not like everyone else. What's the difference? To know the difference. Wisdom to know what that means. In what way should that change how my family works? What the atmosphere of my home is? What do I do with my money? How do I approach the people in work who think differently and believe differently and act differently and speak differently and party differently? How do I know how to navigate that? For all of those questions and a thousand more, you need wisdom. You need wisdom, and God gives the spirit of wisdom. He also gives point two. See, they're just short points, easy. The revelation in the knowledge of Him. See, the wisdom comes <clears throat> when you begin not just to see a truth or a philosophy, but the One who is truth. The revelation of Him, as in. Getting to know who Jesus is. So I say, what songs do you want? I say, I just want songs about Jesus today. And the songs were great. Lifting up the glory of who Jesus is. Because if you know his ways and who he is and what he has done and his love and grace, and you know what his kingdom is like, and you know what it means to be conformed and shaped into his image, it's not just secular knowledge. It's, it's not just ways... To, Christianity is not just ways to be more productive and op- optimize your days and your week. It's not just simply about that. It's about becoming like something. Who are you becoming? You are changing and growing. You, your time will do that all by itself. So who are you? You're always becoming. Who are you becoming? What kind of old person are you going to be? What kind of middle-aged person are you going to be? What kind of adult in the prime of their life are you going to be? What kind of student, young adult are you going to be? You're always becoming. You're always being shaped into something. And the question is, is who is shaping you? What is shaping you? Is it the stuff that we get from our TV? What's discipling you and pushing you into that image? And are you happy with that? And if not, I suggest you find the image of someone. You think, I want to be like that. And I know of no better person in all of history to want to be like than to want to be like Jesus. You're getting the hang of it. Great. So this revelation in the knowledge of him, As in through the Spirit, as you seek Jesus, he will reveal Jesus to you. And that begins to be the start of wisdom. Because then in point three, it says, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Because that's what wisdom and revelation does. It brings light to your heart. What was dark will get flooded with light. What was covered will be uncovered. And you'll go up. I get it now. This whole thing, it's not about me. And if your thoughts and dreams and the limit of your ambitions have something primarily to do with just you and your kids, that's okay, but there is more. There is more. Because Jesus opens the door to more, brings us into more. He brings us not just into a sense of peace and personal forgiveness. The things I've done have been uh, forgiven, and so that burden that I've been carrying, that shame that I've had, the things that have weighed me down, they've gone. That's great. But there is more. You've been brought into something with someone for something. There's a new purpose that opens up to us when Jesus carries us through into his kingdom, out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Jesus is the risen Lord, it says. He's the king of all the earth, the kingdom, and there's the one who's going to make this world freer, better, more beautiful, with more worship, with more children, safe, secure, running into the arms of the Father. And to get all of this, you need the eyes of your heart to be full of light. And if you look around, your town, your city, your university, our nation, the nations. There's a lot of darkness that needs to be filled with light. Point four, racing through. Then you will know the hope to which he has called you. We also live in a time where there are many people who don't live with any hope. But he's called you to be a people of hope, a person of hope, a community of hope. Hope here and now, and hope there and then. Hope for this life, and hope for the next one. Hope for your children, for a future. Hope of eternal love, which gives eternal life. Hope which breaks into despair, loneliness, Depression and darkness and says there's a way out. There's a way through. Someone loves you. The God of all the earth loves you. Predestined you. He's got a plan for you. Wanted you to know his love. Hope which endures. Hope which reconciles hope which frees. Hope that includes you. And then it says, point five, then you will know when you've got wisdom and revelation and and hope, you will know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. God has given us given Jesus something wonderful. He's given Jesus an incredible inheritance. Now, this is kind of the, the sort of thing which um, you'll see particularly in kind of soap opera, TV dramas. At some point, when someone, the you know, rich person dies, the family, you know, often there's rivalries and the family are fighting with one another and what they're really interested in at in the reading of the will is who gets what. Someone is dead. The father is dead. The mother is dead, Whoever it is, the rich person is dead. But the family don't care about that. They care about who's getting the house. How much money did they have? How much are you getting and how much am I getting? Who's getting the boat? You know, how much money did they really have saved up? Because what we believe as children of this rich person, is what was theirs is now mine. And that's really going to change my life. It'll pay my mortgage. I don't have to worry any longer. My business debts, well, you know, if dad really loved me, which as much as he loved, didn't love that one, and gives, gives me what I should get, what should be mine, then my life will change, right? So you see all that kind of dynamic at play. All that was theirs will now become mine, and they fight and squabble over it. Well, you know what? This is what's happening here. Someone has died, and those that share in his inheritance will get their debts paid, will get a new home, will get a new future, and will get a fresh start. Come on. The only twist in this is that the one who died is going to end up sharing it with you because God raised them from the dead. So you still get his inheritance, but so does he. God's very good. You get Jesus' inheritance, and so does Jesus. He died, your debts were paid, you have a new home, you have a new future, you've been given a fresh start. This is why the gospel is good, good news. And all of this happens, point six, because of his mighty power. All that I've said is only possible if God is mighty. Mighty enough to breathe life into a dead body and undo death. Mighty enough to move away a gravestone and tear apart the power of sin. Mighty enough to create with a word, with a word, heal with a touch, to forgive sins, to break chains, to give hope, to deliver, to release, to break through. Proved it in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the absolute cornerstone of our faith. Every truth that we hang on to and believe and preach is based on the fact that Jesus is not dead, but on, was risen on the third day. And that's the truth. If you're not sure about Christianity, that's the truth that you need to investigate. Because if Jesus is dead, then this is, this is nice. It's, might be comforting, but it really is empty and devoid of true power to change you or anything else. But if, but if, on the third day, as the witnesses claimed, and as people have testified, Jesus rose from the dead, then everything changes. Because it says this, he then, when Jesus rose, God planned that he would ascend. So he was alive long enough to demonstrate to people that the power of death has been broken and that Jesus is alive, but the purpose was him was not for Jesus to stay as some kind of, you know, just eternally living around, walking around in Jerusalem for for the rest of eternity. That wasn't God's purpose. His purpose was for the whole earth. And in order for that to happen... Jesus said, it would be better for you that I go so that the Spirit would come and so I am going to return to the Father. So when Jesus rose, God planned for him to also ascend. He would come on the clouds, not to the earth, but into the throne room of heaven. He would come in power, not here, there. He would enter. I don't know if you've seen like one of my favorite scenes of Lord of the Rings, There's a scene where Aragorn, who's been presumed dead, and he sort of bursts through the doors. Boom! The King. Boom! Well, that's Jesus walking into heaven. Boom! I'm here. Going to sit down on the throne, and no one's going to stop me. And in fact, all of heaven says, "We don't want to stop you. We're going to applaud. We're going to cheer. This is what we wanted." So the King takes his throne. And he would sit down at the right hand of the Father of God in heaven. And he would say, I'm now going to intercede for the people, for my people, as our living prophet, priest, and king. Here's the question. Who can tell Jesus what should be done? Who has influence over Jesus? Who controls Jesus? Who can limit Jesus? Who can challenge Jesus? Because his, it says his name is far above. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't consider myself to be a wealthy person. Maybe some of you feel, uh, you know, might, <clears throat> might be having a good year and you feel like, yeah, I'm doing all right. But you could probably double your wealth, triple your wealth, multiply your wealth 10 times, maybe even 100 times, who knows, some of you might be, I drove past a Ferrari garage coming into Colchester. Ah, oh, maybe some of you, you know that's, that's not, you know, that's not the Ferrari garage. That's your garden, you know, that Ferrari, collection of Ferraris that I drove past. Maybe you could, even if you had all those Ferraris and you multiplied your wealth a hundred times and then compare your wealth to the wealth of the richest person on earth, Elon Musk, you're not still not getting close. You're still not getting close. Their wealth is far above. Far above. By the time I finish this sentence, Jeff Bezos has earned more money in, the, in that sentence than I will in the rest of the year. Far above. I can't compare. That's what it's like trying to compare some other name to the name of Jesus. Far above. You don't get close. And it says point eight. He put all things under his feet, under the feet of Jesus, which means they're now under his domain, under his rule in Jesus' job description. Did God give Jesus some things, most things, a few things? or All things, it says. He put all things in Jesus' job description. So now it's Jesus' job to bring all those things into the Father's kingdom to rescue people from darkness, to spread his grace and knowledge of his love and his goodness throughout all creation. Now you may have noticed that I said at the start I was going to talk about the church. I haven't done it yet, have I? I haven't said anything about the church. I've just been talking about how incredible Jesus is and how amazing he is and given that all those things belong to him, Jesus is the highest, the greatest, he's the Lord of all, right? This is, this is Jesus. Eight points, all about Jesus. Point nine. God gave Jesus, who is head over all things, to the church, which is his body. Here's the amazing thing. God didn't give you to Jesus. He gave Jesus to you. He gave the most important to the least important. He gave riches to the poorest. He gave sight to the blind, hope to the hopeless, a family to the orphan, a home for the lost, a safe place for the scared, healing for the hurting, freedom for the oppressed. He gave Jesus to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. All right, I want to take a look around at the beautiful people gathered here today and look at their heads. What wonderful people. As, they, as you look at each other, give us a nice smile. Okay, beautiful people, see their heads? All right, you see the heads? Good. Now look for the bodies. Look for the bodies. Look around. It's easy, isn't it? Because the body is just underneath the head. When I said look for the body, you didn't have to look under the chair or in the corner. You just looked under the head. So if you know where the head is, you know where the body is. Once you know where the head is, you knew where the body was. All right, little test. Where is Jesus? He's the head at the right hand of the Father, seated in heaven. So where's the body? Paul says in chapter 2 that he has seated us with Christ in heavenly places. Paul in Romans says we are more than conquerors because we are with Jesus. The reason why you can be more than conqueror no matter what happens to you in this life is because God has positioned you spiritually with him, connected you to him. So the reason I can have dinner with someone who's a pastor in a war zone who's under incredible pressure because... His country has been invaded. His home has been bombed. He's been moved several times and he's constantly dealing with the pressure of how do I feed and care for the elderly who couldn't leave this war zone and yet be laughing and smiling and be at peace is because he knows he's connected to their head. When I talk to my friends in church from the Congolese church, and I see them dance. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll most Sundays you'll see a little picture of these guys dancing and joyfully celebrating. And their life is incredibly hard, and they've all got memories. My one of the leaders of the church has got a memory of of being the only him and his brother being the only boys from his village that weren't shot and killed. Huge trauma, but is he traumatized? Well, no. He, In one sense, he's not because he knows he's connected to the head. I'm with Jesus. Jesus has got me. He's got me. So we're caught up as his body with our head. The reason why the church on earth doesn't need to seek power on earth is because we don't need it. We have all the authority we're ever going to need because of our head. And now we've been caught up into the mission and the purpose of Jesus. His job description to bring light and love and grace and compassion and knowledge of his goodness so the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea Is now ours because that's the job of our head, which is point 10. The body is the fullness of the head who fills all in all. So, if you think Jesus has got anything good to bring to this world, and I do, then I think that that goodness needs to go to all the world and want, and I think God's intention is is that it would fill. The earth. So Christ wants to fill his creation with his love, his presence, his purpose, so that every tribe, every nation, every tongue, everyone in every place gets to be connected to the head. And you know what? Where the head wants to go, the body goes. I ride a motorbike, or I I did uh, one time, I love it. And when you're riding along, when you learn to ride a motorbike, it's very important that you know how to go around corners. It's, 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 it is. It's very important. You need to be able to know how to get around a corner. And often when you're going down a country road and the road sweeps around, there's, there's a tree on the corner. tree and a hedge. And the road goes that way, right in front of you, like I'm looking at the camera, there's a tree. If I look at the tree and keep my eyes on the tree, me and my bike are going to hit the tree. What I have to do is I have to bend my head to look around the road, away from the tree in front of me. I have to look like that. And where my head looks, my bike will just go. The body, me and my bike and the body will go where my head is looking, where my head is pointing. So where the head wants to go, the body goes. And the head wants to go into all the world. So with all the authority that God has given him, he goes into all the world, but how does he do it? He goes with his body. He goes through the church. Which has his spirit. This deposit in us. This spirit which will help us know him, look to him, listen to him, obey him, remember what he said and to respond to things that happen in the way that he would, hopefully with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control because these are the fruits of the spirit. And so here in Redeemer, here in Colchester, God and this region around, God wants to fill it with the knowledge of his presence and his goodness. And so that means where you are is exactly the place where God wants to bring the light of his presence. In your community, in your street, in your school, in your college, in your workplace. Wherever you've got connection with people, you go, as part of his body, sent to bring the goodness of God to that place and to those people who are there. we are connected to the head and the head Jesus Christ is amazing he gives you the spirit of wisdom revelation and the knowledge of who he is he'll give light to your heart he'll give you hope to which he's called you and you'll know that you've got a glorious inheritance that is dealt with your past, changed your present, and promised you a glorious future. And through his mighty power, he's able to keep you until that day. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, far above all rule and authority, so he can't be bribed or bought or challenged or changed his mind. He's determined to bring goodness, and goodness is what he will bring. And all things are under his feet. And he has been given to us as our head. And he will fill all in all. Amen.